Welcome to the Truth and Liberty broadcast. We believe we have a mandate to bring godly change to our nation and the world through the seven spheres or mountains of influence. To further this cause, we give away a product every week that will empower you to get involved in changing your life and changing our world. You can register for our weekly giveaway by subscribing at truthandliberty.net. You can also subscribe to our newsletter to receive weekly updates on guests, news, and much more. This is an interactive live cast and we welcome your questions. To ask a question during the live cast, use the comment or chat features. Now get ready to dive into this week's topics with our hosts on location in Colorado, USA. Hello and welcome to the Truth and Liberty Livecast. My name is Mark Cowart, sitting in for Andrew Womack tonight, and we got a very special program for you. Uh, we have with us Muhammad Faridi, and uh, we're going to give him a more proper introduction in just a moment. Before we do that, uh, Richard, it is good to be with you again. You, and you've got some announcements, some exciting announcements. So yeah. let's do that and we'll uh, get into our time with absolutely. Muhammad. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I'm so excited to have Muhammad with us. It's going to be awesome. Sure. Um, and yeah, well, there's a, a lot of great stuff happening here at the ministry. I just wanted to remind people, if you're watching tonight, uh, be, uh, be sure to check us out, watch us on our website directly at truthandliberty.net rather than YouTube, uh, because you never know when YouTube is going to decide that they don't like what we're saying and they cancel us. So be sure to watch on truthandliberty.net. Hey, on our website, we've got a lot of resources there be sure to check those out. One of them I want to make sure that, that you uh, check out the, at this time is the My Faith Votes Voter Hub. There's a link for it on truthandliberty.net where you can go and you can get a copy of your ballot. You can find out who your representatives are and you can link to voter guides. So uh, a great resource there. Also, iVoterGuide, our, our good friends at iVoterGuide are sending out their voter guides all across the country right now. So now Truth and Liberty is doing voter guides here in Colorado, but I voter guide is across the country so be sure to check those out if you don't live in Colorado because the election is coming up it's uh, around the corner hey events here at uh, Andrew Womack Ministries right now tonight the ministers conference is beginning uh, over at Karis Bible College and uh, Andrew's ministering Billy Epperhart Mario or well, not Mario but uh, Bob Nichols Bob Yandian Dwayne Sheriff Greg Moore it's gonna be awesome if you live in this area you still got time to make it out for that the women arise conference is November 3rd through the 5th also uh, at the campus of Karis Bible College. And uh, the speakers for that are Terry Savelle Foy, Audrey Mack, and Carrie Pickett. And those are some awesome uh, ministers right there. So ladies, be sure to uh, uh, get out here for the Women Arise Conference. Also, it's not in my notes the exact dates, but the uh, Heart of Christmas is coming up uh, in December. I think it's the weekend of December 10th or 11th. Uh, you can check that out on awmi.net. I'll have complete details for you on our next live cast but it's, it's not too early to start making your plans to come out uh, and join us at Karis Bible College for uh, the Heart of Christmas, an amazing drama uh, that will really inspire you uh, over the holidays. It's really wonderful. Um, if you're not a subscriber to Truth and Liberty, I really want to encourage you to do that. Uh, you know, we send out every week, we send out one to anywhere from one to three emails uh, where we're supplying you, our subscribers, with the information you need to stand 
for truth in the public square. Everything from blog posts to resources to action alerts. So go on our website, upper right-hand corner, and click subscribe. And when you do, you'll be eligible to receive our free product giveaway. Last week, we gave away uh, Andrew's book, Christian Philosophy. I want to congratulate Esther Chapman. You won that, Esther, and uh, you should be getting an email from us shortly on how you can claim that gift. And this week, we're going to give away Andrew's book, How to Find, Follow, and fulfill God's will. This is an awesome book. And you know, if there's, there's a couple of questions that pastors get all the time from people in their congregations, Mark, one of them is, you know, um, uh, what do I do with, uh, uh, to find God's will in my life? Is that right? It's a Absolutely. very common question. Yeah. This book will really help people to discover that. Um, this is an interactive live cast. Uh, so we want to hear your questions and comments. If you got questions for Muhammad, and I bet you will by the time we're done, uh, be sure to post those on Facebook in the, in the comment section or the chat function on truthandliberty.net. And then also, um, we are doing amazing stuff here at Truth and Liberty. I'm so excited. You know, last weekend, uh, we received a truckload of voter guides. We're going to turn Colorado back to godly values. And I want to tell you by, uh, you know, just seeing those pallets full of a million plus voter guides was just awesome. <laughs> it's going to be fantastic. I don't think the devil's going to know what hit him. If you want to be a part of that or anything else we're doing here at Truth and Liberty is we've got people all over the world that are following this broadcast and we are bringing truth to the culture. And uh, if you want to support us, you can do that by becoming a member just go to our donate page on our website, truthandliberty.net. Sign up to make a recurring automatic contribution of $5 or more per month, and you'll become a Truth and Liberty member. And we will send you a copy in the mail of the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution of the United States, and Andrew's own Declaration of Dependence upon God and His Holy Bible. This will be a pocket resource for you. Anytime you get into a, a spat with a, a liberal, you can pull that out and, and let them have it <laughs> in a nice, friendly way, of course. But um, uh, and we really appreciate your generosity to Truth and Liberty uh, donations to Truth and Liberty Coalition. It's a 501c4. So I have to tell you, it's not tax deductible, but God recognizes. And I believe he'll return that to you a hundredfold. If you need tax credit for a donation, just go to Truth and Liberty dot foundation, truthandliberty.foundation, and that will, uh, you can uh, find a, the way to give there. And that gift uh, will be restricted to uh, uh, 501c3 eligible functions and will be tax deductible. So we appreciate your generosity in any event. Last thing is if you need someone to agree with you in prayer tonight, call in 719-635-1111. And one of Andrew's trained, spirit-filled, Word of God trained uh, prayer ministers will be standing by ready to uh, agree agree with you in prayer. So thanks everybody for watching. I'm going to turn it back to you, Mark. Wow. Awesome, Richard. A lot of good stuff going on All the time. as always. But uh, tonight I'm excited. Muhammad, thank you for being with us. You are no stranger to this ministry. Yes, You're you. a great friend. And uh, I want to share with everybody tonight, um, you know, we've got challenges in our country. Mm -hmm. But when I get around, like for instance, you, Muhammad, you were raised in Iran uh, in a devout Muslim family. Uh, you came to the place that you looked forward to give uh, yourself as a martyr uh, for the Islamic religion. And you had an encounter and you were born again. So would you tell us your story and how you came to Christ and uh, ended up in America? Um, thank you for having me, Pastor Mark. Thank you, Pastor Richard, for having honor me. It's, have you. it's an honor to be here again. And um, 
Um, with the name Muhammad, you know, uh, it's very difficult to be a Christian or born into a Christian family. But I was born and raised in Iran uh, in 1984, the year that I was born. The country of Iran was fighting against the Iraqi uh, country. So two Muslims uh, uh, nations were killing one another and both were claiming that they're uh, climbing the ladder of martyrdom to go to paradise of Islam. And my uncle, two of my cousins actually died in that war. And uh, that's, uh, as a family, we took a lot of pride in that, that uh, we have shed blood for Islam. So when, when other Muslim families or relatives, co-workers would come to our home to uh, uh, show, their, um, show how pious and how uh, religious they are, and they have gone to the pilgrims or something like that, and they would brag about the alms that they have paid, the uh, fasting they have done, we would say we have shed blood for Islam. And that would shut the conversation down because we paid the ultimate price for Islam. We were, uh, uh, our family, the, the alley that we actually, my grandparents lived on, were to our last name. The, the, the government honored us with uh, turning the uh, alley's name to our last name because that's how they elevated us in the society by uh, doing that. So, um, um, you know, in, in that kind of environment as a uh, religious Muslim growing up, I was trying to fulfill what Allah has asked me to do, the, known as the God of Islam. So I prayed, I fasted, I did my things, but um, I, the more I tried to get closer to God, the more I tried to please God, I felt that He's distancing Himself from me. The more I tried to run toward Him, the further He got away from me. And that was the feeling I always had toward God. And um, uh, they said um, uh, when I attended mosque, when I went to the Quran classes, when I tried to memorize the Quran and, and do my best as a Muslim, and I would ask the question from the Muslim scholars, the imams, the, uh, the people that I thought know anything about Islam. When I asked them uh, what's the solution, they would tell me that I'm not worthy enough yet. I need to work harder. So I was trying to work harder, to perform better, to reach the standard, standard of Islam, which is absolutely unattainable. It, you can't, no matter how much you try, no matter, there is a place that you fail at it. There is a place that you know you have lied, you have sinned against Allah. And uh, you know that, so what is gonna happen to that now? So now you have sinned. What's the payment for it? In the Shia Islam, the version of Islam that I come from, you pay the penance by cutting yourself and beating yourself mm. to get rid of that, to cut yourself and shed your own blood in order to pay for the sins that you have committed. So I remember um, when I was a teenager, I got started in this kind of ceremonies. And um, the house next to our home, actually, the, uh, where, where we lived, the man was a very um, devout Muslim and uh, during the month of Muharram, uh, it's the month of blood in uh, the first month in the Arabic calendar, uh, the belief is that on the first 10 days there was a war, 1400 years between the, um, uh, the son-in-law and he, uh, the, the grandchildren uh, uh, of the Prophet of Islam with the, actually with the Sunni Caliph. And in those uh, war, they unjustly died. So we commemorate their death, we mourn for them ritually. And uh, man gathered, of course, Islam is the religion of man. So man gathered, it's a male uh, religion. So man gathered in a room or in a mosque or in a shrine, 
uh, because it's a time of mourning. Everywhere is covered by the uh, black banners. And uh, somebody recites a eulogy, it has a rhyme. With the rhymes, uh, with the beats of those eulogies, start beating yourself. You beat yourself on your chest, you beat yourself with a chain to your back, and, um, and, and you slap yourself on your face. That's how you uh, uh, mourn, you cry, you wail to, to say how sorry you are for the death of that imam. It's just like the, the, the person died 10 years ago or two years ago or something like that. Every year in their anniversary of death, you just keep doing that. And then while you're doing that, with the, with, when, when you shed a tear, you are bruising yourself and you're bleeding on your chest or when you cut yourself on, on your back, the belief is that this is the way you're paying for your sins. I have been, um, Pastor Mark, I've been in uh, ceremonies of um, um, this, this type of mornings uh, ritually self-flagellating myself, and there's a lot of other men's in the room, that they, their blood was coming up to one or two inches. Oh my we walked in their blood. And it's a, very, it's a very common practice. I've seen it. It is done in America, in Canada, wherever the Shia Muslims, from Iraq, Pakistan, Iran, Afghanistan, wherever they have gone, they have taken this with themselves, and then, uh, and then they, they practice it. So, um, so these, these were ways of paying for your sins. And uh, of course, um, the other one is that you take a sword to your head and, and cut your head with a sword. And that's the way that you um, uh, commemorate the death of the first imam of, the most important imam is Ali. He died with a sword to his head while he was praying in, to Allah one morning. So that's how you reunite yourself with that spirit. So you take a sword and you cut your, yourself with it. The first time I did it, I knelt in front of an, an, uh, a Muslim scholar, an imam. Uh, the people that they, um, um, they're more, more, more honorable than you or more devout than you. So those people that they kind of are the leaders, as, as you, could, you would call them. So I, the same things, you're chanting the name of those people, the, the imam. You chant their name with those rhyme in the eulogy, and he took the sword to my head. And after several, uh, several times hitting my head and when, after he was done, um, you're not, um, it, 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 you're in a stage that you're not yourself. It's, it's a, um, you enter a, a very demonic realm when you're doing this stuff. Mm -hmm. After he was done and I, I touched my, uh, the top of my he uh, head, it was, the sword was so sharp, chopped through my hair and hit my skull, I saw my hair and my, uh, the palm of my hand, and of course blood was running the side of my uh, face. And that's how I try, was trying to sanctify myself from the sins and the uncleanness that was, um, I was dealing with as a Muslim from the condemnation and guilt. Well, Muhammad, what I'm hearing in the, the Islamic faith, no matter how hard you try, no matter what you do, there's really no assurance. Absolutely none other than one when you lay your life down. Uh, so martyrdom. Martyrdom. When you do that, actually not only you save yourself, you can actually intercede for the 70 members of your family. And you know, that's the only thing that makes, because I remember one time mm -hmm. I was listening to a Palestinian woman mm -hmm. that was watching the video of her mm -hmm. son that had just blown himself up. Mm -hmm. And I guess they make a video before they do mm -hmm. it. And she said she wished she had a hundred sons. Absolutely. And I, I, you know, of course, Western minds, mm. I can't wrap my mind around that, but they believe then if you shed your blood, then it's for or an NB 
half of the family, yes. is that it? Yes. Well, you were obviously, my word, you were committed uh, all the way. Um, and it sounds like you were committed to martyrdom. Absolutely. That that, that was a try. How did I, you? Um, Pastor Mark, I was trying to be as religious as it as I could get and perform before Allah, that I'm, I have the assurance that, I, that I'm pleasing to Him. And Allah is pleased, God is pleased with me. Mm. That was what I was trying to work toward. And the path of Islam, that was what it was showing me. That it wasn't like that I knew what I was doing or um, this, this, was, this was the solution of Islam to the problem I had. If I want to be pleasing to God, I have to lay my life down for Islam. Well, it's obvious you were committed. I mean, you grew up in this. Mm -hmm. How in the world did you come to know the Lord? So um, after I finished high school um, as a man uh, in Iran, you have to serve the military service for two years. I was a devout Muslim and I was uh, picked. It's not uh, something that you do. They um, designate your area of service for the next two years when you graduate from high school. So I was a devout Muslim, so they chose the Revolutionary Guard of Iran. So I actually um, uh, um, was trained by a terrorist organization. Uh, to President Trump, in, um, I believe it was in 2017, that uh, declared the Revolutionary Guard of Iran as a terrorist organization. So I was trained by the terrorists and um, um, it, uh, people will, might think that uh, our training was about training with guns and, you know, uh, uh, exploding bombs and things of that nature, or get how to march and how, as, be a good soldier. That is very little of what the uh, Islamic regime does. The bigger part, the biggest things they do, they spiritually train you. Mm. That um, uh, they want to keep this um, culture of jihad and culture of martyrdom alive in you. The, the war has been, when the revolution in 1979 happened, it was eight years of war between Iran and Iraq. And uh, 15 years after that, 20 years after that, they are still trying to keep that because they, the Muslims believe they only can overcome by wars. They only can reach the highest value as a Muslim by war. So I'm in military now, they're training me uh, with AK-47s and this and that, but their goal is that I'm spiritually ready, that I understand that I can lay my life down for a, for a higher value. So they put us in um, buses, they took us from Tehran, the capital of Iran where I was born and raised, to the western side of Iran where it borders with Iraq, where the most part of war happened, where th tens of thousands of Iranians voluntarily died in that war to that they claim that they claim uh, they climbed the ladder of jihad to paradise directly that's the only way they guaranteed so they when they took us there when we come when we came off the buses they told us to take our boots off because this is the holy ground and it's been watered by the blood of the martyrs so that's how they wanted they wanted us to be familiar with the spirit of martyrdom and the spirit of jihad and part of that training um, of course, there was a lot of um, things that uh, going through, but part of the training was that during the night, they put you in empty tombs, uh, the tombs that is as deep as six to 12 feet deep, that they said they, they used to keep the body of the dead 
imam, uh, the dead martyrs of, of war in them. So they put us in those empty tombs during the night for us to fight the fear of death. When I was inside looking up, when I was, uh, it was, of course, you could see nothing or you could not hear. It was pitch dark. You couldn't hold your hand and see. You would I was feeling that these walls of this grave would collapse on me and kill me. So that's how they prepared you for this mm. type of uh, training. How in the world did you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ? <laughs> That's so I finished my training. I came out of uh, military service and um, I prayed, went to the mosque and um, prayed to Allah that I would have the honor to one day uh, do what my uncle did, become a martyr. And, um, but I, I dealt with a lot, Pastor, I dealt with a lot of hopelessness in, in my life. It was... Uh, the more I was trying to, no matter how much I mm. tried as a Muslim, the more I tried to be um, cleaner, sanctified, uh, get rid of this uh, feeling of guilt and condemnation that I carried, the more I tried, uh, it was like I was coming to a dead end. It wasn't working. It wasn't helping me. Then that, um, I was in an absolute desperate situation at that moment. And um, one day I called a friend of mine. Um, this friend, we grew up together. He, um, his mom and my dad worked in the same hospital. So we grew up together, we went to school. And, um, but um, he was medically exempt from the uh, military service because he had flat feet. And um, while I was away, I didn't know what is he doing with his life. And we were old friends. So I called him up and he said, he wants to come and see me. Mm. And uh, I had a motorcycle, I went and picked him up. Uh, and about five, 10 minutes looking at him, I realized he's very different. He's very changed. And the peace and the light that was coming out of him, wow. it really bothered me. It was something about this man that bothered me. I just kept asking him. And then finally he said he became a Christian. Mm. And um, I always say a good friend put his life in danger to tell you the truth. Wow. And he really did that day. He really put his life in danger. I could have killed him with no repercussion, with no accusation, because he, he was a Christian. A Muslim that converted to Christianity is an apostate, and apostasy is punishable by death in so, Iran. So you could have killed him, and absolutely. there would have been no repercussions no, absol with you. Absolutely. Mm. Wow. What did you do? I, um, um, I asked him, uh, because in, in my Muslim mind those days, when when you say you become something else, it doesn't, it doesn't register. Mm -hmm. Islam believe in fate. Fatalism is what Islam, Muslim believe all over the world. For example, if I can uh, what, explain what fatalism is, um, it is that everything is predestined, preordained. Everything is fate for you. You cannot break out of the will of, the will of Allah for your life. So when you're a Muslim, you have to die a Muslim. And everything that happens to you, they say, oh, this is fate. So when he said he become a Christian, it just didn't register with my mind. So I tried to ask him question because if, if you look at it in, in, in the way I was thinking about it, so if you could break out of the will of Allah, you can surpass that will. You're stronger than Allah. You're stronger than God. Mm. That was my question. So I kept asking, and, but uh, he, he calmly just explained about the goodness of God to me. God has changed me. God has did this. None of it 
register. None, it was just like, as you could see, I have ears, but I couldn't hear. Mm. It was like somebody was holding my ears. And the more he explained, the more confused I become. And then uh, after about two hours, two and a half hours of discussion, heated, unheated, we just discussed, we argued. We weren't going, we weren't getting anywhere. And then he said, didn't you ask me the reason for the peace? This is the last thing I want to tell you. This is going to be the last thing I'll tell you because you asked, I told you the reason for peace. But I want to tell you that Jesus was beaten. He was bruised. His precious blood was shed. He was crucified. He gave up his life that you have eternal life. That is the one best thing I have ever heard in my life. Did that register with you about the beating? That was like a sword to my heart. Mm. Wow. Mm-hmm. It, in that moment when he said that, every lie, every deception that I was involved in, as a Muslim, I have to beat myself. I have to cut myself. I have to shed my own blood. I have to die in order to gain eternal. Everything that wasn't working, I was trying to attain and, and achieve it on my own, earn it. And it wasn't working. He said, it's already finished in the person of Jesus Christ. And if you believe in that, you have eternal life. That is the best thing I have ever heard. When you said that I felt the presence of God and it's, it's, I'm thinking of the power in the blood of Jesus. Absolutely. And it's just interesting, this thing, because I remember when I, I was in India one mm-hmm. time and we were at a pagan festival and they were flagellating mm-hmm. themselves. Mm-hmm. They were beating and this mm-hmm. blood was dripping and you could feel these evil powers. And I'm like, what are they doing? And they, there's something that's written on the human heart. Mm-hmm. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Mm-hmm. But there's only one blood Absolutely. that could cleanse us. Mm-hmm. And so when did you, after hearing this, actually receive the Lord? Um, when he said that, I just, the power of God mm. hit me so hard. It was like I got hit by a truck. Mm. I fell on my knees and I begged him. Mm. And I begged the man. I said, please tell me what I need to do. Because all the deception was gone away. It was like a cloud that went away from me. Mm. And I just could hear it, that this is the truth. I was made alive to God. And he led me through a simple prayer. You need to... Ask for forgiveness of your sins and make Jesus your Lord. Mm. Wow. What year was that, Muhammad? This is in 2006. 2006. Five months after I came out of the Revolutionary Guard of Iran. You know, I'm... Oh, well, I'm just curious, like, (laughs) what went through your mind at that moment? Were you thinking about what would happen to you or to your family or anything like that? Nothing mattered. You gave your heart to the Lord. Nothing mattered. It just... The war that I was in with myself first and the war that I have to please God, that was, that, that came to peace in a matter of a second. Mm. And for the first time in 23 years, I could feel pe- the peace of God, oh, the presence of God. And I just knew it within myself that the war is over. Mm. Wow. So what happened after that? <laughs> I mean, you, you accepted Christ <coughs> and then... Um, I accepted Christ and uh, I was very excited, I thought, I need to go tell everyone about it, especially the members of my family. Mm. And um, I have um, heard a lot of Muslims, before they come to know Jesus, they have their crisis. Mine was right after I accepted him as my Lord and Savior. 
the crisis start when I started to think. So everything we believe as a family is a lie. Everything we believe as a society is a lie. Everything they have been telling us, it's a lie. So this, is, this was my crisis. So I said, before I tell anyone this experience I had with Jesus, I need to make sure that he has died for my sin. I have to make sure that he has actually did for me what this man has told me. So I, I uh, for the next two weeks, that was, that was the journey that I have gone and uh, went to a church and then of, of course, um, that's a long story how you get to a church because they don't exist in Iran, it's all underground. But that day we went to an Armenian church and um, as soon as I entered the gates of the church, uh, uh, the cloud of the presence of God just grabbed me. I mean, I just had an encounter with the glory of God and while I was in His presence, there was no need for oxygen. You do, it, there is no need. It is absolute fulfillment. <laughs> and within myself, two times I heard that I'm home. Mm. I, just, I just knew I made the right decision. And then after the church, of course, the, um, uh, the behavior of the Christians toward me, they would smile and they would uh, say hi to me. And I'm like, why are they, what, are, they are they trying to act nice? Or they don't know me, why are they saying hi to me? In the Western American culture, of course, people, of course, uh, uh, this is uh, pre-COVID that they used to be nice, but um, um, people would s look at you, smile and say hi, because you live in a Christian culture. Mm. But in um, mm. where I come uh, from in the Middle East, if you look in someone's eyes and you stare at them, you get yourself in a fight. You might get killed over it. People don't look at one another. Mm. I mean, it is, and that day in the church, people were nice saying hi. I was like, what is wrong with these people? They don't know me, what, is, what are they up to? And then my friend out of his pocket bought me New Testament in Farsi, a Bible that uh, it is an illegal book. If they catch you with one in Iran, you will, enter, uh, you will um, end up in jail. So I took my Bible, my New Testament home, and I started reading uh, the pages of uh, the four Gospels. In one week from Friday that I went to church to the next Friday, I read through the four Gospels five times each. I could not put the Bible down. Wow. It was like lava in my hand. It, and he told me it is the living Word of God, and if you read it, it will speak to you. When he said that, I thought he's crazy. I mean, living Word of God that is talking to me. But I came across a passage in uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me who all labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I looked at the book and I said, how this book knows that I am laboring, I am heavy laden, and I need to come to Jesus to find rest for my soul. Me and the book are having a conversation. Oh, wow. And um, this is one of the very passages that spoke to me um, through, through the Gospels um, the, that week. And of course, I had another uh, experience that a man was healed miraculously from cancer. And um, that was just the day that I said, I just throw my hand up and I said, God, your son is real, Jesus is real. He's as alive as the day that he stepped in this, into this dimension on our world. And I will not look anymore. I will not doubt him anymore. And I said um, uh, to, to, to the Lord that day in the church that if it's gonna take, I'll die for you. And as soon as I said that, the Lord said to me, I have died that you might live. Oh, wow. Yeah, praise God. 
You know, this, this is so powerful, Muhammad, the power of the Word, Absolutely. the living Word, the power of the blood of Jesus mm -hmm. to take, you know, a mindset that you, a culture you've been raised in, yeah. and suddenly you're transformed, you have peace, but the story gets better. <laughs> you ended up at Karis Bible College. Yeah. How in the world, you're a graduate of Karis Bible College. How Praise in the God. world did you go from being trained in the Iranian Revolutionary Army and raised a Muslim your whole life to ending up in America and going to Karis Bible College? So um, I converted in 2006 and um, I tried to be an active member of a church mm -hmm. in Iran. Of course, the church is underground and um, I traveled, I distributed Bibles in Iran. And um, when I think about, Pastor, uh, when I think about the things I've done and I did not get killed or thrown in jail, it was absolutely God's grace and His protection yeah. getting me yes. through. And uh, I, I was, um, for three years in Iran, I tried to um, evangelize and um, with the um, brothers and sisters of, of the, uh, the Iranian believers that are members of the underground church. We have traveled, we planted churches, we did a lot of things. And then, but in 2008, when Ahmadinejad became the president of Iran and he went to the um, uh, Iranian court and declared Christianity as a national threat. The police would not treat the uh, Christianity as just a normal uh, uh, problem with the um, security. They, he just, they intensified their, their attack on the church and then they went from being a, a matter of a police department to the uh, Iranian intelligence. And they severely start attacking all of the underground churches, the members, and when they would catch a member of a network of churches, they would torture him so much that they would give up names. And many of the believers I knew, many of them got arrested. And the circles, the circles of the believers that I knew, I was getting tighter. So at that time, I escaped Iran. And uh, it was the grace of God that I legally came as a religious refugee to America. And that was absolutely God's miraculous because the system of the refugees is so corrupt and so evil and so biased toward the believers, toward the Christians, because they, they put you as a Muslim that has converted to Christianity. You're an apostate, you're an unclean person. They put you in front of a Muslim to get to interview you. That is already biased. It's is so, that in America you're saying? No, that was in Middle East, actually in okay. Turkey. In Turkey, yeah. yeah. But a lot of places when you go to get your interviews done. After three years of interrogation, finally, it was just the mercy of God that touched my life that I made it through. I have many, many believers, I know them today, that they have waited 10, 11 years now that they come illegally to this country and they haven't had a chance. Wow. You know, I think it's safe to say that probably Iran is one of the most severe areas of persecution mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. Christians. Yet at the same time, um, when the persecution is intense, um, I've heard at one time, and we don't have those stats mm -hmm. right now, that it's been one of the fastest growing underground mm -hmm. churches in the world, up to 10 million believers. Mm -hmm. Everything has to go underground. But you came to Karis Bible College. I know Andrew's interviewed mm -hmm. you. Uh, we've been blessed to hear about some of your trips you're taking. But you've got a booklet here that, that you tell your story called Forsaking my father's religion. Mm -hmm. Is this your life story in here? Yes, it is. And um, how can we get a hold of that? Um, 
um, you can go on our website, iranchristians.org, and there's a tab on it that you can, uh, it says free book. If you click on it, if um, uh, you just fill the form, I will send you a PDF version, and if you uh, give, us, give us your mailing address, I'll send you a, a free copy. You know, it's Mom, absolutely free. That would be so awesome. Uh, you could get a copy of this. I know that there's got to be Muslim people that you know, and absolutely. to hear your story has touched me so much. So what, it, what is it like in your life now? You met and married Susan. Yeah. You all are involved in ministry. Mm -hmm. Tell us what the Lord's doing in your life. Uh, before I get here, um, I need to say that um, if uh, any of the viewers want to double check this uh, fact, they can go on Google and say, where is the fastest evangelical growing church mm. in the world? The according to the Operation uh, uh, World Ministries, Iranians are number one and the growth of the church in Iran is about nine, is not about, it's 19.6% per year. Wow. Hundreds of thousands of Iranians are converting uh, from the uh, diabolic religion of Islam to Christianity. And uh, uh, on our trips and um, on, on the efforts that we do as a ministry, we talk to thousands of them. If we talk to 10, we get one or two of them uh, uh, convert to Christianity. I couldn't. They're I, so open. I can't help but think about Matthew chapter 16 mm -hmm. from the days of John the Baptist till now the kingdom of heaven suffers violence mm -hmm. in the violent. But in literally in your context mm -hmm. of being raised in Iran, the violence can't stop the church. Jesus said He would build His church, mm -hmm. and then the gates of hell Absolutely. would not prevail. So you're actively involved. I know very much. pray over you when you go mm -hmm. and you go minister around the world. Tell us uh, about what the Lord is using you and Susan for now in the ministry. Yeah, um, just this past month, it hasn't been even a month now, uh, we were in Middle East um, uh, working among um, Iranians. Um, in four days' time, we distributed 1,500 Bibles, and we saw the salvation of 100 Muslims in four days. Wow. Yeah. That's fantastic. Just Beautiful. you and, um, and it, your wife? Um, it, it's, you have a team. I take a team with me every yeah. time I go. Yeah. And so if yeah. people want to connect with your ministry, how do they do that? They can go to iranchristians.org, and then there's a form that they can fill and connect with us. So I think it's... Many of the CARES graduates and CARES students have gone with us, so... Mm -hmm. And, and you're open to receiving donations for the ministry, right? Because <laughs> God, you yes. are good soil to sow into. Amen. And uh, wow, so this year, uh, uh, just just this year, is past uh, nine, ten month that we have traveled to Middle East, and um, we have distributed um, close to nine thousand Bibles, mm. and uh, we have seen. Um, we surpassed 400 salvations so far. Wow, and you know, great. sometimes that's people really may hear that and think. 100 or 400 salvations, but look at what happened through one conversion because Absolutely. someone loved you enough to tell you the truth. And really, they took their life into their hands. They did. And yeah. so, um, wow. And now you have committed your life to reaching the Muslim people. I need to mention this, Pastor. None of it would have been happened if it wasn't because of Andrew Womack Ministries and Caris Bible College. Mm -hmm. That is absolutely truth. I was, uh, when I came to America, I still loved God. I was, uh, uh, to the American standard, I was a radical Christian. But uh, when, when I came here, um, all I knew is, okay, whatever I put my hand on, God is going to bless it. And I was in, um, actually, um, people now know about Fort Myers and uh, Sanibel Island because of this, the hurricane. I worked on Sanibel Island as a reservation manager. 
the hotel that I worked, it's uh, uh, wiped out with, uh, the, with the hurricane. But the thing is that when I was here as a believer, I went to, um, uh, from climbing the ladder of martyrdom to climb the ladder of success in America, the American dream. Um, sometimes you could call it actually the American nightmare because um, I was truly caught up in the materialistic things of this, mm. this, um, this um, the beauty of America. Get a job, excel in it, can all we get? Get, all you, get all you can, can, can all you can get, all you and sit get. on your can. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I was trying to do. I mean, that's literal. Yes. And um, I started in the bottom of a, um, a, a um, company. I was working my way up and I was, if you would look at me, oh, he's doing great. He's, he's, he must be blessed by God or something like that. I was doing really good at, at what I was doing. But one day I sat in front of a, it's CTN 10, uh, the local channel in Fort Myers. I was watching Andrew and he said, God has a specific plan for your life. I have never heard that as a believer. Mm. That God has a specific plan for my life. And he ministered out of Jeremiah chapter um, uh, 29, verse 11, Second uh, Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, and of course, uh, Psalms 37, verse 4, that if you need to know yes. what's God's will for you, it's not you asking God to bless what you do. You actually go to God and ask Him what He has for your life. That was uh, something that I never did and as a Christian. So that's what I did that day. I repented from what I was doing and I said, God, you tell me I'm going to do what you have for me. And then a series of events, I ended up in Caris uh, Bible College and this place has prepared me for ministry and it's been amazing what the Lord has Lord. done. What an awesome story. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, Jesus talks about the deceitful. And by the way, I want to remind everybody that let us uh, get some questions from you. I'm sure some of you've got some questions there. But, you know, Muhammad, that's so true and it's so difficult. Now, the prosperity in America and the blessing of America is from God. But Jesus Absolutely. warned about the deceitfulness of riches. of riches. Riches aren't bad, but he did warn us about deceitfulness of riches. Mm -hmm. Richard, has any questions start to come in yet yes, there? Yes, we've got some good questions. I want to hear what some of the people are thinking and what they may have for you. Okay, well, I have I have a question here that's not from one of the viewers, but uh, it's uh, that what is happening in Iran right now with all the protests, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, are these really a serious threat to the government? And where do you see this ending? So um, let's start where the protests started. So, a um, 22-year-old girl uh, went from uh, city of Sakas, which is a uh, in the region of the Kurdistan. He traveled from uh, her city to city of Tehran and uh, she was showing a little bit of her hair. So she was, according to the Islamic law of Iran or the Sharia law, Sharia law, the Islamic law of uh, Iran, she wasn't fully covered. So we have morality police that scans the streets. The fact checkers that mm. scan their social medias. Mm. In Iran, they're actually on the streets. They scan the streets to see if everyone is complying with the dress code of Islam. Meaning she, all the women. All the women and men, but especially for the women, mm -hmm. because um, the belief is uh, if a woman is not covered completely, it is uh, tempting the man. Mm -hmm. It's not the man that has to control themselves, it's the woman. Mm. That's their, that's their the problem. That's the, um, um, uh, the uh, foundation of Islam, the Islamic belief. But uh, this 22-year-old gets caught by the morality police. Severely, uh, the videos are available online. Mahsa, her name is Mahsa Amini, you can look her up. They throw her in the bus and um, her head 
hits the top of the bus when uh, when she was entering the bus when when, when they violently threw her in there, and they take her to the custody. The custody is a re-education class that they teach her about Islam, how to comply with Islamic dress code, and so on and so forth. But um, she was severely beaten, violently beaten while in the custody. They told her family she will be out in one hour. She slips in a coma and dies three days later. Mm -hmm. And since then, it's been 17 days that there's protests all over Iran, all over. This started from Kurdistan, the city of Saqqas, started there, but this, uh, her death uh, started this uh, being the catalyst of this uprising all over Iran. And since her death, they have said that um, between one to 200 people have been killed in the uprisings. And we're not seeing that, though, in this country. How are they getting that information out? All of this information is coming out uh, mostly on Twitter because um, one of the actresses, that uh, Iranian actresses that lives here in the West uh, with a lot of followers in Instagram posted something about her. And um, um, uh, the company Meta, Meta, which owns Facebook, Instagram, and uh, WhatsApp, they blocked the post that, it, that is not according to the um, 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 community guidelines. Unfortunately, that's the, what we're dealing here in the West. So we're trying to bring in it, this to the attention of the West that Iranians are in uprising. The, uh, we're, we are at the verge of a revolution. Mm. And, uh, but unfortunately, very little has been uh, uh, put on the media, especially the mainstream media, because Biden, at this time that the Iranian people are getting killed by the hand of the Islamic regime, brutally they are getting killed, uh, the Biden administration and the Democrats are negotiating to cut a deal with the Iranian regime and give them money for, over the uh, nuclear deal. It's unbelievable. It is unbelievable, mm. isn't it? Well, so this widespread uprising that's going on, what are the protesters wanting? Is it another version of an Islamic government or do they want a real Republican free government? They're sick and tired of Islam. Mm -hmm. The Iranian people, they say this is the seventh century Bedouin Arab religion, that it has nothing to do with the uh, wealth of culture that the Iranian have with all the poets and all the uh, Cyruses and the King Darius, with all the things that we have historically. It has nothing to do with us. And the, Amer the, and the Iranian people are in, the bo in bondage to this crazy, diabolic religion that is oppressing the Iranian people. And I believe with all of my heart, all of this that is happening right now in Iran will even disillusion the Iranian people more, make the Iranian people sick and tired even more with the Islamic regime and, and, and the Islamic law. So they, that, that's what happens that they become... Um, this illusion, distant from this religion, and then they're open, and uh, the gospel will fill that. Mm -hmm. I believe that with all of my heart. Oh, we pray it so. Yeah. Well, what can people do to help the Iranian people right now? The most important thing is to pray for them, and the second thing they could do, they can uh, share what's going on in Iran on their social media and other platform that they have. Mm. They, they let the uh, Western world know, because we need a lot of help. Yes. Mm -hmm. to get behind the Iranian people in order for the revolution to happen. Yeah. Do you think that um, the economic sanctions against Iran should stay in place? Absolutely. Yeah, and even though that's causing yep. the people to suffer? No, it is not. The people oh. are suffering already. Uh -huh. mm. The Iranian people are... Uh, that money that goes to the Islamic regime empowers the Islamic regime to do proxy war against Israel and America. I was a part of the Revolutionary Guard. I know there is nothing that this money will help 
or the sanctions to do with, with the people. Ah. It is all about this regime. Mm. And uh, President Trump had his uh, 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 feet on the throat of this uh, Ayatollahs. But unfortunately, he got replaced in a uh, fraud fraudulent election. And despite an administration, just like Obama's administration, they're going back to cut a deal with him and mm -hmm. um, give him money. Mm -hmm. It's unbelievable. So we do have some questions here. Mm -hmm. um, let me uh, get this one to you. Um, what is the best way to approach my Muslim neighbor about Christ? This is coming from Robert on chat. Robert, you need to pray and you need to invite them to your home. You need to talk to them and you need to be bold about your faith because the religion that we grow up, if you're not bold, they say you're weak. Weakness means you don't know what you're talking about or you don't believe because belief makes, makes you bold to speak up. That's something very important. They, Muslims do not appreciate weakness. Mm -hmm. They do not. So you, you need to be inviting them over to your home or going to their home. You need to make all the bridges, all the channels you could. But at the same day, you need to let them know that you're, you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You openly pray and you have to expose them to light. Many of the, many of the believers I know in America from Muslim background. They have been invited to a Christian home. They felt the peace. They saw the relationship with the husband and wife, that they're actually respecting one another, and that caused them the change. Mm. Well, that's awesome. Powerful. Yeah. Beverly on chat asks, um, why do leaders of Islam want everyone to commit suicide for Islam, but they are not willing to? Because Islam is a cult. <laughs> they're, they're enjoying their power. They're enjoying their, um, their uh, the pr practice of polygamy their child marriages, they're enjoying all of that. They will never do that themselves, but they always throw you in front of the line mm. to do that for them. Yeah. Wow. Uh, good. I, uh, Carol on chat wants to know, we just had a large Islamic school open in our small city. Mm -hmm. Is this dangerous for non-Islamic people? No church has reached out to them. The Islamic population is growing here and we see more Islamic clothing on women. What do we do? Um, of course it is dangerous. Um, wherever Islam goes, mm -hmm. it is completely, it's a clear path wherever. It's 56 countries, you could call it 57 countries that are run by majority Muslim people. None of them are in peace. Mm -hmm. None of them. And um, in the Islamic schools, the first, thing, the first thing they teach you is hatred toward the Jews and the Christians. And hatred is all ultimately calls, uh, uh, comes to destruction. Mm -hmm. So what Carol can do is um, to go and um, uh, find his people and um, um, actually I have a great idea. You can invite us to go and see what's going on there and uh, what solutions we can come up with, mm -hmm. uh, what, um, what nations they're from. They could be Somalis, Sudanis, Iraqis. It would be different in that, uh, in that context, but we can come and see. Or you could uh, team up, partner with a good church, Bible-believing, spirit-filled church, and then come up with some solutions because if you don't reach them, they will reach you. So, mm -hmm. Muhammad, you're saying that you're willing to actually go, and if there's churches and believers Absolutely. that are wanting to get a plan together, you would mm -hmm. help them do that? Absolutely. Amazing. Mm -hmm. oh, that's awesome. That is yeah. awesome. So, again, let's put his email address up there so people can reach out to you. 
Um, and uh, if you're interested in having Muhammad come and speak at your church or help your church or group of churches reach out to Muslims in your community, then... Uh, and, and I would say, too, that everyone should take advantage. This, mm -hmm. this is a free download. Yeah. and you'll free, free download or I can send it to them for free. But that, this would be a great place to start for everyone to read this. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's awesome, Muhammad, that you'd be willing to do yeah, that. that's Absolutely. awesome. We need to do that in Colorado Springs. Yeah, we do. We do. <laughs> well, so uh, what should the United States do in the Middle East to help the cause of freedom? I know that's a massive question, mm -hmm. but overall, you know, you kind of have these two approaches. You've got the Democrats who say, yep. oh, the Muslims are peace loving. Let's just uh, be their friends and it's Israel that's bad. And then you have the other side of the equation that say Israel's the only real republic in the, in the Middle East. and. Um, We've got to defend them. What What do you think about our foreign policy and what ought it to be? Um, America can do a lot of things. Um, for example, if you would have not evacuated Afghanistan the way that this administration did, Afghanistan wouldn't be in the hand of the Bedouin Taliban people that are murdering Afghan people. Our brothers and sisters, they speak Farsi. Lots of them are coming to know the Lord. And now when, when you see protests such as this that could actually lead the country out of this oppression, you have to back it up. Mm -hmm. But where is the Biden administration? Behind the uh, Islamic regime instead of behind the Iranian people. Mm. That is the unfortunate part of it, that there is a lot can be done, that America can back up the protest, the uprising in Iran, and um, I, there's a lot of things they could actually um, uh, give weapon to the uh, protesters. We, the Iranian people are fighting this Islamic regime that they have guns with hands. It's wow. a totally unequal battle. Wow. So you know, there's, there's, there's a lot that they can do, but unfortunately it seems that they do. Of course, the Democrats are, and uh, the Biden administration, they're in love with Islam. They call it the religion of peace, even though Islam means surrender. Mm -hmm. They're in love with it. They empower the, uh, the Islamists around the world. And you see that they, whatever they should do, they, should, they do exactly the opposite of it, mm -hmm. which is now helping the Islamic regime. And the money that they will send to Iran over this deal is going to be ended up uh, in um, more uh, bloodshed of the Iranian people, unfortunately. It, it's super important, isn't it, that people vote the right way in this election? Absolutely. And even though we're not voting for president, uh, voting for United States senators and congressmen, if if those two houses can get uh, taken over by conservatives who understand how to deal with these, at least they could have a, a check, uh, a checking influence on the Biden administration. Absolutely. Do you agree with that? Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, so um, can Muslims? Uh, what should the average Christian know? What else should they know about how to reach uh, someone uh, of the Muslim faith? And you know, what, what else can we do to bring the gospel to that people? What I have learned here in Karis Bible College, whenever you prepare for something, the opportunity, it just knocks on your door. Mm. I had many of my uh, uh, colleagues, many of the friends, many of the uh, um, uh, students in my class when we met and we talked to them and I gave them a book I said you can take an extra one or a, how about you have a Bible or a, uh, or a Gospel of John or a New Testament in Arabic or in Farsi in your car you might come across somebody mm. every time they prepared for it every time they had a, uh, a miraculous divine encounter that in, um, eventually it was an evangelism opportunity mm. but when you don't prepare for it when you're not you won't see him. 
Wow. Just the opportunities pass by you. You know, sitting here, Richard and Muhammad, I'm just, I'm under conviction right now. I think of the gift that Muhammad is, uh, Diaco over mm -hmm. at Ames, mm -hmm. who's a freedom fighter, who's now working for Ames, uh, Kamal Saleem. Mm -hmm. And we all know that there is this massive blessing that the Lord has planned, and we believe Ishmael shall be redeemed, mm -hmm. and that there's a massive move of God coming That's among them. But uh, in these closing minutes here, I think uh, one of the things that came out of this whole talk, because I've heard you share several different times, is that we, the church, need to wake up in America. And I remember this was quite a while back when I was seeking the Lord, and Kamal was talking so much about the uh, radical Islam, and I was learning. I just so much I didn't understand, and then I thought, well, that's the that's the, the most uh, intense, severe threat to Western world. And the Lord spoke to me and said, no, it's the lukewarm church. Mm. And I and it shocked me. But what ends up happening, if you have a lukewarm church, it anesthetizes people yes. almost yes. to the real thing, to the power of the gospel. And I think, Richard and Muhammad, I think this is a wake-up call because we have neighborhoods in Denver right now Absolutely. that, uh, well, we know for a fact in a particular neighborhood there was a wife beating that was going on. And uh, the imam came out and said, you run along. When they called the sheriff, he said, I'll take care of this. Mm -hmm. And he left. And so there, there gets to be, and these no-go zones will be popping up and things like that. But Muhammad, thank you for being with us tonight. Uh, God me, bless sir. you and Susan for all that you're doing. I want to say to everybody, please take advantage of this booklet that Muhammad is making available. You can download this thing instantly. And then if you'll provide, there's their address on the screen. Then if you'll provide a mailing address, he'll get you a copy. Please consider sewing in to their ministry to help them continue to do. And if there's a pastor watching or a group of Christians and you're serious about reaching the Muslims in your neighborhood, reach out uh, to Muhammad and Susan and let them help you. And so once again, Muhammad, God bless you for everything you do. What an incredible story, Richard, I yeah, tell you. Awesome. And the fact that Karis is a part of this and Andrew Womack Ministries is just amazing. Oh, God, God and uh, also we want to thank CTN. Yes, they, they carry this and we appreciate them doing that. And thank you for being a faithful viewer and a supporter. And I want to encourage you, remember, if you want to partner with Truth and Liberty, there's the C4. It's not tax deductible, but we do have a way that you can partner and so into Truth and Liberty and just go to our website. Thank you again for joining us. We'll see you next week at this same time. Till then, may the Lord's richest blessings be yours. Join us next time for the Truth and Liberty broadcast. Find tonight's episode and related articles and links at truthandliberty.net. Truth and Liberty is viewer supported. If you'd like to help us continue our live casts, you can make a donation at truthandliberty.net. 